Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we'll be covering the four new Netflix shorts by Wes Anderson. As well as When Evil Lurks, by or directed by Damien Runya? Runya? Uh, for um, the short films, we will just be doing a very brief, like, overall what we thought of them. And then moving straight into spoilers on those, for When Evil Lurks, we will do a full non-spoiler section and then a spoiler section. All of this will be down in the time codes below. Let's get into it. Henry Sugar was 41 years old, unmarried and rich. Strange. The following is what Henry read in the Little Blue Exercise book. All right, so Wes Anderson recently teamed up with Netflix and directed four shorts, Um, The longest of which is The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. They're all based off of Roald Dahl's um, short stories as well. Yep. And then he did three shorter ones, The Swan, The Rat Catcher, and Poison. Um, They all predominantly star at least some of the following. uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Ray Fiennes, Ben Kingsley, Dev Patel, uh, and more. Um, And, you know classic Wes Anderson fashion they feature recurring cast members they feature very straight on whimsical cinematography and funny sets and some slight visual gags and dry sense of humor um they all this is so my my big Wes Anderson complaint I like a lot of his stuff I'm a little over his style and would like him to start trying some new stuff or doing interesting things with it. I thought Asteroid City was actually good. I know you did not. I hated Asteroid City. But at least it like fit his style and it was fun to do a like it as a play wherever all the backdrops are hand painted and like all of this kind of stuff. Well this takes it to the next level. All of these are essentially a stage play vibe. Um, and I just, they all blended together. They, it's my same issue with when he did the French dispatch, which is a collection of short stories, essentially as one film. Um, there was nothing about them that felt separate. And I know these are all by the same author and then he adapted them himself. So these are, it's more, makes more sense for them all to be the same. Um, but it really just like went on and on with the same style the same type of jokes oh Um, i didn't mind that i thought it was good yeah i don't know i'm i'm kind of over it at this point i think this is the only thing i've seen of wes anderson's that i wasn't really bored you liked budapest hotel yeah i liked it but i was also kind of bored during parts of it i saw it when i was like 11 well yeah um but yeah so i think if you really like wes anderson you will really like this because it's very Wes Anderson. Um, I think if you're a little more like me and you're like, all right, guy, you're clearly talented, but can you start doing something else? Um, You might like that. I think the stories were also a little darker than I was expecting. A little more, a little less whimsy, a little more menace than I was anticipating. Um, For me, I think... The rat catcher poison. One of those is the better two. Do you not remember the difference between them? No, I do. I just don't know which one I like more. I really liked all of them except for the swan one. 
But the other ones I thought were quite interesting. And I liked the poison one because I thought it was the most like funny and fast paced, but then it ends weird. And then, I don't know, the rat catcher one. I thought that was the funniest. It was pretty spooky. He looked yeah. so spooky. <laughs> it's also a little spooky. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, probably either Poison or Henry Sugar, which I know bums you out because you hate Benedict Cumberbatch, but... <laughs> I do not like Benedict Cumberbatch, but also I thought the Henry Sugar one, oh my word, was I bored out of my mind and so worried for these next three. And the other three I thought were at all at least short enough and interesting enough to warrant existing. The Henry Sugar one was i was losing my mind i was so bored that's how i felt during the swan one but at least it was short yeah i don't know i really it's just i don't know it got old quick for me the whole style of these shorts um but we will go into those more now with spoilers so first up we'll do the big one uh henry sugar the premise of this one is bendit cumberbatch is a guy called Henry Sugar, and Ray Fiennes is kind of narrating himself writing the story. Because um, Ray Fiennes both plays Roald Dahl and every other character. <laughs> yeah, they all play multiple characters and appear even sometimes like Benedict Cumberbatch is in his own story as other characters and stuff, whatever. Yeah. Um, but basically the premise of this one is... Uh, there is a guy in India who has taught himself to see while being blindfolded through focus and meditation. Uh, Henry Sugar stumbles across this story. You divert from the story of Henry Sugar for 15 minutes to go do a whole separate story of Ben Kingsley learning to be see blindfolded, and then you get back to Benedict Cumberbatch as Henry Sugar, he figures it out and immediately uses it to cheat at card games, realizes that takes all the fun out of gambling, uh, and so then he starts just cheating casinos to pay for orphanages and hospitals around the world, which, like, nice story, how fun, but also, I don't know, I've seen this story 800 times of the rich guy. Well, it was also written in, like... No, I, I get that, but, like, it, the story wasn't anything new. The visuals were especially nothing new. It's very stock standard Wes Anderson. The performances, I like most of the actors except Benedict Cumberbatch, but, like, none of them gripped me or made me laugh or, you know, like Ray Fiennes in Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest Hotel. Hilarious. And I really enjoy that performance. And this... It's just kind of, he's there, he's talking, staring down the camera, and they all talk monotone and look down the camera, and then they constantly, there's always a narrator, which I think is why I liked Ratcatcher, was there was less narration and more just actual acting, whereas in this, there's a lot of, they cut themselves off mid-sentence to turn to the camera and say, I said blah 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 yeah i think that's I funny i think that follows my sense of humor so i liked that part and i don't like wes anderson so this is very surprising yeah. we didn't talk about <laughs> this before this review like we normally do and he's the one who makes me go see all the wes anderson stuff because he really likes them i thought the i thought asteroid city was so awful so boring so terrible so slow and did the exact same thing and he really liked that and so i'm very surprised <laughs> yeah i think it did, as you just said, it did the exact same thing. And 
that was my only complaint of Asteroid City is, again, it's the same thing from Wes Anderson, and now I'm... At least Asteroid City was a new story and stuff, but, like, I don't know. I just... I'm so over it. (laughs) And the joke was funny once or twice, and then it just kind of kept making every story longer by them pausing to turn to camera and stuff and the joke was funny once or twice when it happens the 15th time in a five minute span i'm like okay can we just move Mm -hmm. on here i disagree i will say i don't think that the performances in the henry sugar one were that outstanding it was pretty straightforward um but i thought it it all vibed well i thought it was good um, yeah, the story's been done before, but I mean, at this point, everything has, plus they were written, you know, years and years and years and years ago. Um, but we can move on to the next one. The swan yeah. one I thought was garbage and bad and awful and didn't make any sense. Yeah, the swan, I basically a boy has grown up and he's now recounting the story of his childhood of when he got extremely bullied by these two kids. Not bullied. He got (laughs) attempted murdered by these kids. So these kids shoot some birds, and then they see this little nerd at the end of the field, and they... Tie him to railroad tracks, let him get run over by a train, make him watch as they shoot a bird that he loves, tie the wings onto him, have him climb a tree, and then shoot him in the leg so he falls out of a tree. And then he flies and crumples in a heap in his back garden and is dead probably yeah is what it kind of implies the adult man version of him is there so it's confusing recovered i don't know and there's no redemption there's no revenge it's just stupid and bad yeah basically the whole point of that story was like yeah people will be terrible to you but you can survive you could also die (laughs) in your backyard apparently with these memories forever which like i don't know Yeah, it was kind of a nothing story, and also the framing of this story, having his adult self just talk to you again, it just dragged on as a guy just stares down the camera and goes, and so then they came and said this to me. And at least he did funny voices for the kids, which was nice, as opposed to every other narration. But this one wasn't even, like, witty or fun, it was just like... He just literally just told you what was happening to the screen. And again, like production design, it's Wes Anderson. It's kind of fun how they built all these giant like cornfield hallways, essentially. And there's little production assistants pop out to hand them props and stuff like a stage play. And, you know, they're pushing through and things pull out of the front of the camera like a play set pulling apart to reveal the next scene. Things like that are fun. But again, like it gets... It's not novel the 80th time I see it happen. And so... These also don't have to be watched back to back to back to back. So maybe you wouldn't get tired of them like he keeps saying that he did. Because we watched them all in a row. Yes. I mean, that did not help. But I also... Part of this is these are all things that are tropes of Wes Anderson that I'm tired of seeing in his filmography. Okay. And so, yeah, it just... The swan was there. The next one was the rat catcher in which they made Rafe Fiennes look so menacingly scary. It's like they made him into Wormtail from Harry Potter, which is funny to see Voldemort be Wormtail from Harry Potter, but he was so spooky. Um, but it was very dark and weird. Yeah. Um, and and then, also ended odd. Yeah. 
basically Ray Fiennes is a, a rat catcher for the town or for the country. And he looks like a rat. And he looks like a rat and he gets sent and he lives off the high of telling people how amazing he is and proving that he's a better rat catcher than you are. Um, and then as he slowly starts to fail and re- like not outsmart the rats in this particular town, he goes to further and further extremes to prove he's cool and can catch rats. And Including do- biting one biting one off and then apparently reveals that in this world uh they use rat's blood to make licorice mm-hmm. which was weird and then he leaves and then you find out there's a dead body that the rats were eating instead of his traps yep and that never gets talked about <laughs> yeah it kind of came out of nowhere i think the reason i liked this one i thought the performances were actually interesting yeah and fun um and there was a lot more just the three characters that are that comprise this story talking to each other as opposed to talking to us um which was nice and then as well i thought it was like the funniest of them while also being the darkest in that like there's a moment where they're the guy's like going to kill a rat and he's gonna bite its head off or whatever and then they have a little uh, stop motion rat but then suddenly the one of the other actors becomes the rat for the purposes of the stage play and they have these funny shots of their faces and they're you know I just I thought that one was at least like oh this is clever and different and interesting yeah so I liked the rat catcher yeah I thought that one was pretty neat and then poison is the next one which was probably my favorite because I think it had the strongest acting performances yeah I I do not like Bandit Cumberbatch. I thought he did well in this one. His strained gruntings. So basically the premise of this one, there's a couple soldiers abroad living in like a bungalow type thing. And um, Dev Patel comes home to find Benedict Cumberbatch laying in his bed. Um, and sweaty, sweaty looks like and he's dying. fevered. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out he has a poisonous sta- snake curled up under the blankets on his stomach and it fell asleep. And if he moves, it will bite him and kill him instantly, basically. And so Dev Patel calls the local doctor, played by Ben Kingsley, and he comes rushing, and they slowly try and get him anti-venom, and then they try and um, use chloroform to make the snake pass out, and then slowly, like, they're very slowly trying to pull the, get the snake unconscious and be able to remove it safely and not have it bite Benedict Cumberbatch. Only um, to find out that there was no snake on him. Yeah. And we don't know if there ever was or if he just dreamt it. Because he then... was reading a book before bed yeah. and then felt the snake and then woke or like realized it was there or whatever and never really saw it. Uh, and then Ben Kingsley, uh, who is playing a doctor. local doctor asks him like oh well maybe it was a dream and then as he goes, a joke as a joke and then benedict cumberbatch goes on a racist tirade and then towards him <laughs> and then it ends and um i did like the last like line in this where dev patel like is chasing after the doctor apologizing for benedict cumberbatch's behavior and stuff and he's you know he says he's sorry and ben kingsley says you can't be sorry for this because, you know, people of color should not be apologizing for white people going on racist tyrants and stuff. So it was, I don't know. I like this one the best. I thought it was good. But I also yeah. felt like the ending was abrupt and odd. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, as I said, this is probably my second favorite. 
Um, again, there was more actual performances and intrigue in the story, and I had a suspicion this is kind of where it was going, that the snake wasn't going to actually be there. Um, but I liked the way it came about, and I thought overall it worked worked pretty well. Um, so I think, yeah, in, in general, I had multiple people recommend these to me because they thought they were so funny and witty and like hilarious i am genuinely surprised you didn't like them i'm not surprised <laughs> people recommended them to i'm you. not but i also i don't know i i think it's i don't know i just it did not land for me 95 percent of the time through these i thought they were fine i'm not a huge short film person but I like how fast they talked. It kept my ADHD in check, and I, I, I thought it was funny. I, I don't know. I thought it was the, probably the best things I've seen from him thus far. I would put this second from bottom from what I've seen from him. Yeah, I'd rate this probably like a 6 out of 10 maybe. I will give it a 4 out of 10 for them overall because I liked half of them but even the half I liked were not exceptional. Good evening, Mr. Sugar. Said the man behind the desk whose job it was to never forget a face. Okay, for my pick this week, I picked When Evil Lurks. It's directed by Damien Rugna, and it is distributed by Shudder. They're like a horror streaming service. <clears throat> and yeah, so this is a story. Set in Argentina and in Spanish. It is in Spanish, yeah. I also would recommend seeing the Spanish language with, like, the English subtitles versus seeing it English dubbed, but that's just because we think English dub is weird and looks funny. Um, (laughs) And we say that because for our local theaters, there were half of them listed English dub and half of them just said the movie was playing. So I'm assuming that means they were playing it dubbed. We did not see it that way. And just in general, I always find it a little awkward for live action when the mouth and the words don't match up. And these performances were really particularly one. There was some strong performances in this movie and worth seeing. Yeah, but this follows a man and his brother um, early one morning or late at night, I guess. They hear some gunshots and decide the next day to go look into it. And they kind of find out that someone in their town is possessed, which, you know, over the course of the movie, you find out has been kind of like a zombie pandemic outbreak thing that normally doesn't happen in rural communities, but has kind of taken over the big cities and they have like protocols and everything for it. Um, But it's him trying to get, you know, his family safe because he's kind of an estranged father um, and he wants to protect them and everything just going not well and how kind of makes a statement on, you know, even in the most dire times, people can give in to anger and emotions even if it ruins everything. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's kind of... The movie escalates and as people are not willing to just shut up and put their personal struggles aside for the sake of survival, uh, you lose, which is a very pertinent message these days, I feel like, as (laughs) things continue to boil over all over the world. Yeah, and this is 
I don't want to say it's like one of the goriest movies I've ever seen. I said that in our TikTok review. Um, it doesn't have the most gore I've ever seen in a movie. Obviously, like Evil Dead Rise and all of those are very it's gory. Wall to wall blood. You know, I've watched all yeah. the Saw movies. I've I used to search out like the goriest movies I could possibly find because I thought it was fun and festive. Um, but it is some of the most realistic gore that I've seen in a movie. It There's is visceral. One scene with an axe that doesn't look realistic, but every other scene, my like jaw dropped. It was so gross and <laughs> so gory, but it was so well done and like all practical effects. It was great yeah. for the most part. Yeah, I would say the it's nine like from what it looks like, I'd say it's 90 to 100% practical effects for this gore. Um, and if it's not, then what it's benefiting from is clever direction, a use of practical as your base, so that when you add in a few CGI elements, all you're doing is either erasing things so that it, you know, all you're seeing is the prop and you don't see the person pumping the blood through or whatever, or a tube or something that needs to be there for logistic reasons or you know they're just adding slight bits to it to help sell the effect as opposed to like again evil dead rise very gory uh but like it doesn't feel real because oh someone got their leg chopped off it's very clearly a cgi replacement of an actual actor with a leg spraying fake cgi blood everywhere and yeah they yeah. dump a lot of practical blood on the set and on the actors and stuff um but like it doesn't feel real and it also part of it is like that movie is very over the top intentionally they're not trying to be super yeah. realistic um i would kind of liken it to there are moments in uh hacksaw ridge which is a war movie directed by mel gibson say what you want about him uh, not his biggest fan. This movie, however, is quite good. And there are some moments that are incredibly realistic action moments. And again, I think they did a lot of practical effects, which help it. Whereas there are other war movies out there that just CGI bloodshots out of people and rip them in half or whatever and just decide to go, oh, let's just fix it in post. This movie very clearly paid their makeup artists a lot of money <laughs> and their special effects people a lot of money so that the visual effects people only had to do what was necessary to elevate the effects yeah and the acting performances are pretty good um the best one is by the main actor in it um ezekiel rodriguez um he plays pedro um yeah, he is very talented. It was heart-wrenching. <laughs> like, it's not... It's a horror movie, but it's not, like, a scary movie, if that makes sense. Like, it's, you know, zombie-ish, you know, kind of possession-y, whatever. But it's... It's a... Emotionally driven. Not yeah. for jump scares, not for... Yeah. It's a drama. It's a relationship story that uses horror, horror to move the plot along or push the characters to situations they would not have gotten to without the horror um which is my favorite kind of horror movie 
Which is why you probably can tell I really liked this one. Yeah. Which was kind of surprising because of how gory and disgusting it is yeah. at times. And he hates horror. But... And I don't like horror. But this this is what I want out of a horror movie. It's gross. It's creepy. It had me on the edge of my seat at times being like, oh, what's going to happen now? Yeah, there's a scene with a small child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to give it away, but my jaw dropped from that scene and stayed dropped until like <laughs> the end of the movie because I was just shocked at how well done it was. Like it's it's just very good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it's really and again, first and foremost, it's a really strong drama with a really good lead performance that anchors the whole thing and an interesting story that keeps you engaged and you're rooting for characters and hoping for things to happen for them not just like oh i hope you don't die in a brutal way it's like you genuinely want to see their arc and their growth as a human um and it just uses the elements of horror to exaggerate the situations they're in yep so should we move into spoilers let's do it all right, moving into spoilers. So, like I said, this follows a man and his brother. They hear gunshots one night and decide to go investigate the next morning. Um, they find this man who's dead and cut in half and gross. <laughs> and they decide they need to, you know, figure out what he was doing there. So they, you know, go through some of his stuff and find the ID of a woman uh, who lives up the road to them. And when they go, they find out her son has been possessed for like a year. And she ca called the proper health authorities and the police um, to send someone out to basically kill him and clean him up, clean it up so that um, he doesn't transfer the possession to anyone because anyone around you can die or be possessed and stuff um and he's what they call a rotten which is he's like a giant ball of pus that's oozing and covered in like sores and it's very gross very very gross very um, well done <laughs> so they go tell their other neighbor about it and their other neighbor's wife is pregnant and he's like you know, runs a farm and he's lived there forever. And he's like, I'm not willing to leave my farm for this. Like we need to move him so he can't affect anything. So they basically just break into that woman's house and steal her possessed son and are driving him out to the middle of nowhere when they almost hit someone in the road. Um, because kids are attracted to the possessed people and it's yeah, yeah that was one of the moments watching the movie at the start i was like well that was a dumb contrivance to make this happen but then later as you learn more about the the world and the rules of this possession and stuff and you realize children are drawn to it a lot of moments in this movie that seemed kind of like well would that have really happened yeah no yeah. it makes sense and it all clicks into place yep and so the body gets flown out of the truck and they decide it's just far enough so they're just gonna leave him there um and the brother steals a bullet that was in the house of the rotten possessed guy um and so they go home and the other brother the main person is needs to take his kids so that they can get out of there because the whole town's going to become infected soon um so he goes to his ex-wife's house and she has a restraining order against him and he kind of just 
quote, goes into her house anyways and is trying to, you know, kidnap her children, which is bad. Um, and yeah, he uh, ends up getting their dog possessed. And so yeah, basically it'll transfer the slightest bit of contact or just honestly, it seems being in the same area will infect you and yeah. your possessions and everything around you. And, and it affects so... animals first and children. And then it goes into people who have like weaker minds basically yeah. and who are afraid. Um, like if you're afraid to die, it'll more than likely kill you and attack your fears and stuff. So he's afraid of losing his children. Um, but yeah, so it possesses the dog. And there's this scene with a little girl and the dog, and it turns around and just rips her apart. And it was so traumatizing for me. It's like her, she's like a little rag doll getting shaken around in the mouth of this dog. And I... <laughs> and it's the whole, the way they set up the whole sequence is so well done. Um, so basically, obviously him and his ex are yelling at each other arguing the kids are yelling the kids are confused of what's going on do we listen to dad do we listen to mom do we listen to our stepdad what's going on and the dog is just it sniffed his clothes and then it's just sitting there and the two kids are like standing by just petting its head whatever and it keeps cutting to that and i'm like the dog's gonna get them the dog's gonna get them dog's gonna get them and it just keeps escalating the argument between the parents so that's you're like, you know you should be focused on the dog, but you're trying to follow the drama and the tension between the parents and they're arguing. And then the little boy leaves the dog and you're like, okay, well now it's just the little girl who's there and they continue and the arguments are escalating and it's getting so intense and just frenetic and the little girl's doing a circle around the dog and stuff. And then just one of the times it cuts to it, no different than any other moment. It's not like there's a climax or it's obvious it's going to happen. And the dog just turns and grabs her by the face and rips her around like a rag doll, runs around the room. And then the, you know, the dog's making a lot of noise. The son is watching this happen to his little sister. And he's screaming, screaming. freaking out. And the yeah. parents who are arguing are like, shut up. Like, we're dealing with stuff. And he's like, no, like, <laughs> the dog is eating my sister. And then the stepdad turns around and realizes, gets the other two parents. They start screaming. And it's so intense and yeah. so visceral. And so, you know, the stepdad, the, da the dog drags the daughter out of the house. The stepdad goes to find her because it's his daughter, his biological daughter. And, you know, he, the other guy keeps warning him, like, you cannot shoot this thing because then the evil will spread. It'll spread. It'll spread. Like, you can't do it. You can't do it. And of course he does because he's scared for his daughter. And also they're all getting possessed. <laughs> and there's a strong belief this is something that happens up in the city. It doesn't happen down here. There's no proof that it's happened. The guy just shows up out of nowhere screaming that something's gone wrong but has no proof or any way to show the family like hey we need to get out of here so the guy's just like no our dog went crazy it must be sick it must be whatever and attacked my daughter i'm going to put it down because yeah you know <laughs> and yeah so it's super intense and then all of a sudden the daughter just walks up the driveway totally fine and she's like he's gonna kill you when he comes back and then he comes back in, like, the truck, going full speed, and just drives into the daughter and the mom and crushes them to death. So, you know, the dad takes his two sons um, and runs. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So 
you know, that, I mean, I can't say detail for detail what happens in the movie like I've been doing, but <laughs> it just, it gets really intense and then it gets to the point where he could win and he chooses to let his anger outweigh the importance of destroying this thing and ends up getting everyone killed the end. And it's just very sad. And at the end, he just, you know, screams this horrible scream because he finds out that his son, who is autistic, who is nonverbal, that he was possessed and he left him alone with his mother. um, And he ate her. (laughs) And you find out at the end because he starts spitting out hairballs and a cross necklace. And it's just... It's so much, much, <laughs> and it's so good, and I would just highly recommend it. Um, yeah, if you like, it's a one-time watch. <laughs> it's a one-time watch for sure. But I would you... love to watch it again to see all the details line up, but I don't think I can sit through some of yeah. that gore again. Yeah, but if you like gore and you're not looking for like jump scare horror, I would really, really recommend yeah. this. I heard in a review that it's kind of similar in terms of like horror drama as um speak no evil um so that's on our to watch list um but yeah if you liked that one apparently you'll like this one as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just it's again it's a very well done drama i think the dynamic of them like the the possession being a thing that exists in this world but not being a part of small towns and then the complex dynamics of divorce and losing custody and trying to get your child back and trying to protect them but also all these other things get in the way of just trying to protect someone um in that way it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite movies it comes at night um Edward schultz one of my favorite directors um and that that's also like a zombie world that doesn't really focus on the zombies in any way and it's all about the dynamics of trust between these people and if they just trusted each other and worked together it would all be okay and much like this there are ways to beat the possession we there is probably the weakest part of the movie is this character is introduced kind of towards the end who's supposed to know how to solve these issues and she kind of just fills in some of the lore and context of the world for you um but yeah like if you just had listened to her and done it properly None of this would have happened. Yep. But, of course, humans can't just think rationally in these moments. They put themselves or their bias or their feelings first, and it costs them in the end. Yeah. I also really like the fact that it is like a zombie or possession movie that doesn't take place at the first outbreak. Because I'm getting a little sick and tired of those ones where it's like the first event that happens and it's just, you know... This one is still go, go, go all the way to the end, but it's not like introducing you to that world and taking up so much time being like this is why the zombie thing is happening this you know it's just like yeah. this is the world they live in this happens sometimes and there's not, not even, regularly you hear from a character who was involved in the kind of the early days of discovering all of this a little bit of the context but it's not even like it cuts to flashbacks of her or like there's news footage of oh no buenos aires got attacked and this is what happened five years this is the five-year anniversary of what there's none of that it's very much you don't know about this world and as the movie goes on you learn more and more about the rules of this world in a very natural way and it flows very well so what would you rate it 
I will give this a 9 out of 10. I think I would too. It's very, very good. Yeah. I'm like an eight and a half, nine. Really well done movie. Alright, thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you tune in every Monday uh, for a new episode and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Nerd and Normie. And if you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're on an audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.